give, give, a, give a hand to, to Michael. So good. I know some of you are confused right now. You're like, I thought the third guy was a Mexican. Um, I'm not Mexican. I do have the gap, though. Come on. It's just so much easier to draw an Asian person in a character, right? And then it's like, what, like, what do we do with this guy? But I, I'm the, the third one with the gap, just in case you're confused. Hey, which one is he? You guys look good today. You look really good. It's all good. Yeah, come on. Hey, I just want to start by first saying, um, if this is your first time here, me too. So if you're feeling a little like, what's going on? Me too. So we're in good company. It's going to be great. Um, how many of you, this is like, this is home for you though, right? Like this is, hey, I, I'm village youth. This is where I'm at. How did the rest of you get here? Come on. Hey, who, who is, hey, this is my house. And uh, the Bible says something about this. Um, it says to give honor where honor is due. And so I just want to, before we get started, I, and, and sometimes you don't know what you have when you're around it all the time, right? Like if you're just like, you're used to something, you kind of get just blind to it a little bit. You guys have uh, two of the most incredible, amazing pastors, and Pastor Mark and Pastor Aaron Clark. Uh, if you attend Village Church, I just want to uh, thank you that all of this, by the way, because sometimes you can come to church and be like, oh, it's great. Uh, it's because of the leadership of a man and a woman that said, you know what, we believe in the next generation, so we're going to put some time, some finances, some, and we're going to make a space so that you can come and build friends and do that. You guys are in part of an incredible church that not only is so important to our city in Surrey, but so important to our nation. And so I always want to let you know, you guys are a part of something pretty unprecedented. And if you see Pastor Mark or Pastor Aaron, I want you just to, like, don't bug them and be weird. Like, no one likes the fangirl or, or like, the fanboys even worse because it's, like, you kind of expect it from a girl, but then the guy's doing it just gets awkward. Uh, but this idea is to say, hey, thank you. Thank you for, for having a vision for something beyond yourself. Thank you for six years ago taking an incredible step to plant a church that I can now call home. And more than that, you guys got incredible youth pastors with Pastor Michael and Pastor Leash. Where are you at, Leash? Come on. You guys love your pastors. Can you guys, I'm going to do something because you gave me the mic and it's awkward. Can I just get you guys just to stand real quick? We're going to do just, yeah. Come on. Yeah, just stand. Yeah, it's going to be awkward, so it's going to be good. Uh, we're just going to get the awkwardness out now. Um, I just want to, in front of, and you guys maybe know this too, that sometimes in, in ministry, when you're kind of doing this job, uh, in talking to Michael and, and meeting Leash and hearing more about her and you know, following her on Instagram like that weird stalker guy. Now it's not weird because we've met, so it's good. Um, but this idea that their heart is so for you guys. Man, when I talk to them, it's, it's dreaming about you guys. And it's almost to an embarrassing point when they talk about just this city and what it looks like and how can we do what this looks like. Can I ask something of you? Sometimes when you lead, and I know this because I've maybe done this, that, that you can be out front and you're leading, but one of the most scariest things about leading is doing this is turning around to see if anyone's following you, right? Because if no one's following, you're not leading. You're just going for a walk by yourself, and that's awkward. But, but there's certain things, and there's just this saying that I've kind of grown up with. I want to maybe let you know, if you love your pastors, one, buy them ample amounts of coffee because you're way more annoying than you think, and they're up with you all the time, and it's fantastic. West Village Cafe, you can go get the gift cards. They have them now. It's fantastic. Um, but if they've, if they've impacted your life in doing this, can I, can I just ask you to do this? And don't do it right away because it would be awkward, but maybe if, if God speaks to you, say, hey, listen, thank you for what you do. You have my hands. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And you have my heart. And I just want to publicly thank you guys for being people that, that believe much bigger than yourselves, 
that I know as, as a married couple, not without kids yet, that, that the time and the effort, and, and I just want to thank you. The hours that you guys put in, the time, the heart, the prayer, the study, the coffees, the late night texts, the, all of this stuff to show people in this room how much they matter and how much they care. So can we just give one huge round of applause to your pastors? Come on. Thank you. You guys can take a seat now. Um, yeah, you guys are blessed, man. I love, love, love this church. Uh, you know, we go to our church, and I'm always listening to you guys online and learning. It, it is an honor to be reaching our city together. A little bit about myself. Babe, why don't you stand up? This is Katie. She's my wife. Come on. Proof that if you follow Jesus, you will get a spouse much better looking uh, than you. But I'm not sure how that works out for girls, right? Because guys always say that. So for, like, girls, if you follow Jesus, do you get, like, the short end of the stick? Uh, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Someone's just, like, revelation, like, wait a second. No, it's going to be good. But yeah, me and my wife, Katie, she's actually from the States, Portland. I met her at Portland Bridal College. Uh, some call it Bible College, but it's uh, ring by spring or money back. And so I got my ring four years, brought her back to Canada, the promised land. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and we've been here for about two and a half years uh, just saying, hey, God, what would you do in Surrey, building relationships? We've got some of our leaders here, Lauren. we got Eugene and Raul. Give them a hand. They're fantastic. Um, the two gentlemen are extremely single, and so if you are grade 12 or above, um, just you can send in your applications, $20 fee for Raul, it's free for Eugene, um, but it's going to be good, come on. I, I just like to have fun, I, and I hope we just get to know a bit of us. Uh, I like to look at church as a family, so if maybe you're new to church, uh, first time, or you're maybe a little bit, what is this, I just want to let you relax, it's all good, we're going to have some fun tonight. Uh, we're going to laugh, we're going to look at the, the Word of God being the Bible, and I really believe God's going to speak something to you. Even if you don't believe in God tonight, I have faith, and I know that He actually believes in you, whether you believe in Him or not, and He's actually maybe doing more in your life right now than you could be aware of. Um, but we just celebrated Easter. Anyone have fun at Easter? Come on, you guys had like a bazillion services, it was awesome. Uh, it was really cool for our church, we saw some people saved, and a couple of people that I invited that I knew didn't know Jesus came to church and it was awesome. And it was actually a little bit interesting for me this year, though, because Saturday, the, the day before Easter, you know, Good Friday, is like, God, thank you for dying on the cross. This is awesome. If you're new to church, you didn't know that's what Easter's about. Not the bunny, but bunny's cool, though, because we got chocolates. It's awesome. But this idea, hey, Jesus died on Friday and then Saturday. And this Saturday, I actually was doing a memorial for my, one of my friends who was 24 years old, uh, tragically passed away. And, and it was this kind of this awkward, and he just got really like, he wasn't joking, was he? No, I'm not. Um, but this idea where we're sitting there doing this memorial, and it was a, a pretty tragic moment. You know, someone that, that was close to you who was gone. And, and after this, it's kind of this awkward, because I'm like, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be excited about Easter Sunday. But I found myself, like, in the, a, a lot of emotions, like, maybe some, like, some regret. I wish I would have texted him one more time. And, and it's different when they're older. But, but right when they're 24, you're like, wait, I'll never get to have coffee with him again. Like, I'll, I'll never get to go see him. So there's some regret and there's some uncertainty. And you talk to people, and, and death can be a super weird thing around this because if they don't know, gee, am I going to see him again? Where is he at? I do believe I'll see Adrian again because I do believe there's a place called heaven for those who follow Jesus, that Jesus loves you far too much, that he wants to spend eternity with you. So he prepared a place for you and also prepared a way for you to get there. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But this idea of these emotions, I remember praying, as, as I do, because... 
Because sometimes we think pastors, oh, we're always just good. No, pastors freak out and are emotional wreck just like you. Uh, we've maybe just learned that we go to Jesus with our brokenness because he can make us whole. And so if you're here tonight, you don't feel like you have it together. I want to say you're in good company. We're all a bunch of mess. And we've only found one person named Jesus who can maybe help us make something of these broken lives. And, and I was just praying, saying, God, would you help me? I don't know what to do. Like, I, I'm about to lead, like, almost 100 volunteers this next day. I, I got to be on, God. What is this? And, and I just felt him say, Daniel, this is kind of like what the disciples felt that Saturday. And I started to think about that. Could you imagine, like, your boss, like, you're going to change the world, right? It's going to be great. It's awesome. Like, you're Instagram, and you're on his, like, top 10 followers. It's great. Like, you're on his Insta story every once in a while. If you're Peter, you're like, hey, this awesome dude. And then, hey, this idiot. Like, this is awkward. Like, things going on. But, but then he dies. And even for me with my friend Adrian, like, I know I'm going to see him again one day, but, but the disciples, they don't have this idea. Like, their whole thing, they gave everything for this life, it's just gone. And, and you could imagine, like, regret. Should I have left fishing? Like, what were the last three years about? What was this thing? And this, this utter just depression and this sorrow and this uncertainty and things that you thought were one way and you start questioning, did I make the right decision or all of this stuff? And... So we began to just kind of have this conversation with Jesus, like, wow, it's, this must have been what Saturday felt like. And I, and, he, and I just felt like the Lord said to me, he says, Daniel, you have no idea that Saturday is every day for thousands of people in our city. You know, we live in a city of Surrey that we have the hope that Jesus rose again, but so many in, in our city, in grade 9 to 12, there's 32,000 high school students in the city of Surrey. That's an old stat. It's probably more around 50,000 high school students in our city, over 500,000, over half a million people in our city. It's got the, the highest rates of shooting all around in Wally and different areas around this. We got broken homes. We got homes where dads aren't there. We got homes where dad, dads are in the family, but, but they're just absent in brokenness and hopelessness. And I began to just think about our cities and the homelessness and, and everything else, and people in homes, just brokenness. People that seem like they got it all together, they're doing good, right, but just broken. And they say, God, like it almost becomes overwhelming. And to think that, you know, I go through life and it's hard enough, but I have the hope in Jesus that he's with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's got a plan and a hope and a future for my life. So I can call on him in times of need that he's, he's going to be with me. But what about people who perpetually live in the Saturday of this hopelessness? And maybe you're here tonight and you came because a friend invited you. And that's really what you're struggling. Can I tell you there's good news because Sunday always comes. And we're going to talk about what it means that Jesus actually came up from the grave. And it's interesting, you start reading some of these statistics, and, and because we watch the news all the time, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, shooting, shoot. This isn't the news, guys. This is our, our city. Over 90 shootings in the last two years. Students dying. People taking their own lives because of online bullying, different stuff. So many insecurities. This is the reality of what we live in. And I began to ask God, I said, God, what is it going to take? What do, like, what do we need to do, right? Like, like God, there, there's this stirring. And over the last two weeks, I know with Jeremiah, I've been stirring this idea that you're here and now for a purpose and people put in your life. We get, God, we're going to do this. And then even Peter last week and, and talking about stirring up, hey, you can exchange your loneliness and your insecurities for God's identity in you. And, and we get stirred, but it's like, okay, well, now what? And, and I begin to ask God, we get it's so stirred up, and then sometimes there's a disconnect between what we go and do. And I felt like God said this for us tonight. So Daniel, if we're ever going to go all out for people, because that's what happens, right? We just get, like, just jazzed. Like, you know, we go to service, we're just, like, just pumped. And you're like, let's just, 
I'm just going to, woo, right? And you just don't even know really put words. You're just like, you're just, you're just jazzed. I got no other word for it, but it's jazzed. And, but then you go out and do it, it's like, oh, there's like a disconnect. What do I do with this energy? And I felt like God said, Daniel, if you're ever going to go all out for people, we must first go all in with Jesus. If we're, if we're ever going to say, God, I'm going all out for you, there's a decision we need to make first. And then Jesus led me to Acts chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 9. A little bit of background story here. Um, there's a guy named Saul in the Bible, ends up turning into Paul. But what happened with him, he was a young dude, and then there was a guy named Stephen, or Stephen, uh, in the Bible, and he got stoned with rocks, not with grass. He might have been on the grass, but he wasn't, like, smoking the grass to get stoned. He got stoned with rocks, and so, like, Paul, Saul at the time, sees this and just gets lit, right? Like, not that way. Like, not, like he gets, like, excited. He, he, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but this idea where, I, so he starts going around, he gets super passionate about, like, killing all these Christians, right? And he's just like, no, they're going to go. And so he's doing all this. And in Jerusalem, all his cronies, like, they're locking him up in jail. And then he's like, I'm going to go to Damascus. So he gets permission to go to Damascus. He's with his homeboys. They're, like, riding on the camel. He probably had, like, the double hump camel because he was, like, a man of prestige. So he's, like, double hump camel in it, just, like, going in. All of a sudden, this big light knocks him off his camel. And uh, he's on the ground. And all of a sudden, he's blind. He hears his voice. I hear people hear the voice, don't see it. And he finds himself just blind sitting in this dude's house waiting for something, right? So this is what we come into. And Acts chapter 9 says this. Chapter uh, 9, verses 10. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And I have seen, or he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. Verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. He's how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. He's a bad dude. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. Verse 15, the Lord says, but the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings. I'm going to do so much through him. I'm going to show him what that's going to look like. Jumping down to verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Man, that's not part of the message, but I just love that, that idea that if you feel like you're an outsider, you don't belong, like you don't have any idea of, of what it looks like for your vision, you need to know that you are in a place that every single person you see around you is not a stranger, but their family. You need to know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, you don't have to stay as an outsider. You can be a son and a daughter, a brother and a sister, that you belong here, that long before you start to behave, long before you start to believe or act right or get your act together, because what Jesus did on the cross, your family, you belong here. And Ananias understood in the midst of someone that would have tried to kill him, says, Brother Saul, what an incredible picture of the gospel that says you belong. There's a, there's a place for you. Different message. But he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus sent me who appeared to you on the road by which you came and sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Uh, the title of tonight, if you're taking notes, is All In Before the Flop. All In Before the Flop. Can we pray real quick? Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus, uh, you're doing something in our lives. God, you're active. You're not passive. God, we thank you that in this room, you're not a good concept. You're not a good idea. But you're a person, a person that can be interacted with, that can be experienced, that we can walk 
with. So God, I pray you'd speak to us today, and for those who follow you, God, that maybe you're in the midst of their Saturday, so to say. God, I pray that you would shape and mold us and teach us what it means to live all in for you. Jesus, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, the title of tonight, like I said, All In Before the Flop, uh, it's a poker term, actually, that idea of all in before the flop. So we're going to teach you how to play poker. Again, like not in church, of course, that'd be wrong, right? But this idea of what it means. So in poker, again, I had to Google this. I didn't know, of course. Um, no, that's not true. I've lost money playing poker. I'm a terrible poker player. I'll play with like chocolates. That's about it. But in poker, you're handed two hands, two cards in a hand, right? And so right now I got a, I got a queen and a nine. So that's my hand. And I don't, I don't really have any say what's handed to me. And then there's a couple other things that you'll see. It's called the flop. First is the dealer will put down three cards, and those are the main cards that you're playing with. And then the next is the, the turn, and the next one is the river. And so this is the idea of most of the time in the cards, you'll, you'll get your hand, and you're like, all right, cool, if you're, if you're decent, got some high cards, like, all right, I'll pony up like poker face. I mean, my poker face like... <laughs> Terrible poker face. But this idea, well, I'll just do this. And then no one knows what's going on. But the first three cards, so it'll go, and they'll flip these three cards, and then you'll decide, hey, you'll do a little bit of betting, right? Like, hey, maybe if you got good cards, or you're just like, I'm out, I'm going to wait. Uh, this is not going to turn out well for me, so I'm out. But then if you go, you do a little bit of betting, and then you got the turn, which is the fourth card. There's a bit more betting, and then it's called the river. And it's the last card. And after that, you've seen everything in front of you. There's no more uncertainty, and it's at this point that some people would go all in. They're like, I think I have a good enough hand. I see this turning out positively for me, so I'm going to go all in now that I've seen the details. You see, one of the stupidest things to do in poker, I found out by experience, uh, <laughs> is to go all in before the flop. Right? You think you got a good hand, so you're all in, and you maybe got high cards, but it's like a two, three, seven, five. You're like, I just lost everything. Because when you go all in, it's essentially to say, these are your chips. I'm not going to bet a little bit. I'm going to put everything in. And so I now lack the ability to pull back. All of my chips are in. And it's, a, it's an incredibly stupid thing to do in poker, except this is exactly what God is asking us to do with our lives. Because so often in Christianity, right, we want God to come take some things from us. Like, here, God, you can have my insecurities once I see, oh, you saved me, you love me, you have a plan for me. And he says, hey, give me your life. You're like, hold on a second. Let me just see how this turns out. Right? It's so like we're negotiating with God. And it's like, well, well, just, just maybe give me a little bit of time, see what turns out, see if my Instagram followers start to trend up, and then maybe I'll, I'll do something else. We give, you know, we can maybe have my home life. But we hold some certain chips in, but unfortunately, that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's actually asking us to go all in. And this is exactly what Ananias did. Ananias went all in before the flop. And if we don't understand the context of this story, it can seem like, dude, heard from God, said, go pray for this dude. So he went to his buddy's house, prayed for him, like, there's no risk. This doesn't even mean, but if we look into the context, we actually see that what Ananias was up against is much like you and I, uh, much like some of the things you and I are up against. Number first thing it says is in verse 11. It says, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called straight. And I don't know if, if you've grown up in church like me, I always thought of this like, you know, he's like kind of like, like Ridge, what's that Ridge Runner thing game? The dude just like, assassin, whatever, yeah, so he's like got like the hood up, and he's just kind of running, doing this stuff, and I think he's like just kind of like covert up, right, because people are trying to like take him and put him in prison, like chain him up and like throw him away, so he's like, hi, and he's like got oh, this special like knock on the door, he's like, and like the door like opens, like raining, like super epic, probably like tomorrow, 
our music going on. And he comes in, he's like, yo, Judas, what up? And like, secret handshake. And then he's like, comes to, to Paul, or Saul at this point, who's sitting there by himself, just super freaked out, right? Like, this is what, anyone else thought this, or just me? You guys need a better imagination, man, come on. And, and so it's this idea, but it's interesting. This isn't the case, because the street called Straight historically was like a Roman highway. This is like Hollywood Boulevard. Massive palm trees down the middle of the road. It would have fit three uh, chariots wide. There would have been marble roads. This would have been the, the epicenter of the city. Like, this is where Main Street, this is, this is like everyone's watching. And this is exactly where Jesus calls Ananias to go. Not somewhere hidden in a corner where no one would see him. No, he called him to the epicenter, to downtown, in the middle of the day. This would have been the last place that Ananias, as a Christian in Damascus, in the cultural uh, pressures that were going on, it wasn't sexy to be a Christian at this point. It, it wasn't, you didn't get a lot of things that benefited you. It actually could cost you something. Weird idea that following Jesus might actually cost you something, not just bring everything into you and all the stuff that you want to do. And my question today is, do we decide where we're willing to live out our faith when it comes to God? Do we tell him, like, God, maybe, maybe like crooked straight, but not street straight, street straight street, crooked street, but not like straight street. God, God, at youth I'll sure I'll lift my hands, but not at school. Like, like hey, God, I'll, I'll I'll read my Bible in that, but, but just don't make me ever talk to him about these friends. My question to you tonight is, where is your straight street? Where's some of the areas that if God says, hey, I want you to go reach out to that person, you're like, God, not on my sports team. Mm -mm. Like I'm with them way too much. And it's just too much already. Anytime they said, oh, they find out I go to church. Like, oh, you're one of those Christians. Like, you hate gays and, and you think everyone's going to hell. Like, that's what I got all the time growing up in high school playing rep hockey in the dressing room. As soon as anyone found out I was a Christian. So you hate gays, right? I'm like, no, it's not like that. You think I'm going to hell because I don't follow Jesus. That's right, huh? You think I'm going to hell? It's like, I just, I just didn't want to deal with it. And so, God, I, I love you and I'm going to follow you, but just not there. Like, not straight street. Maybe it's that classroom where you're trying to figure out, God, oh, I just... Uh, I'm not in that class. I don't want to stand up. God, I'm not going to say anything wrong. I'm not going to agree with them. I'm just not going to speak up. My question today is, where is your straight street? Maybe it's your family. You came here because a friend invited you, and, and God's changed your life, but it's just too difficult to go to the family. You see, I'd like to say it just it ends there, but it, it gets worse. You see, because Judas, he gets the flop, and it doesn't look good, although I had a queen nine, so I'd have quite a great hand right now. Uh, that's besides the point. Very good hand. Maybe, I think. I don't know. I'm not good at poker. But you see this idea where the flop came out and it didn't look good for Ananias. So what was it that, that kept him going? It gets worse. It says this. It says, street called street. It was one thing it says uh, in verse 11. And go, uh, he's at the house of Judas. Again, we probably think, hey, this is like one of Ananias' cronies, right? Like, hey, what up, bro? Uh, actually, Judas's house, it was believed that he was a synagogue. And if it was the synagogue on the street called Straight, this would have been one of the most influential synagogues in the entire city of Damascus. I'll, I'll help you understand this, that there's a decree going out saying, hey, in Surrey, if you follow Jesus, you're going to get bound, whipped, beaten, and thrown in prison. And the place that they're going to bring you first is Judas's house. This would have been the exact place that Anna, the last place that Ananias wanted to go, but this is exactly where God calls him to go. Go to Judas's house. God, not that house. And it gets worse. It says, hey, look for the man. This was the very place that Ananias would have uh, been brought and changed by Saul. It says, and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Like, are you serious? 
Like, it, it's bad enough, God, that, that it's a street called straight. But you want me to go to Judas's house, the last place I want to go, and Saul sitting there, the dude that wants to take me out? Like, are, are you for reals right now? Like, this is what Ananias is up against. You know, this is the person that would have brought him there. My question to you is, who are the people, or maybe the place, the people in your life that are off limits to God? That if God says, hey, why don't you invite that person to youth? Or why don't you invite them to church? Like, no, God, I, I can't take it. They make fun of everyone. Anyone that stands up and leaves for anything, they just dog on them. God, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not, no thank you. Like, I'm, I'm good. And then comes the river. I love this. It says he's seen, in verse 12, it says, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in, lay his hands on him so that he would regain his sight. And up comes the river, and it's like the worst possible thing for Ananias. Because, listen, this isn't what God said. He didn't say, a man is going to come and put his hands on you, and you're going to get healed. He says, no, Ananias. So at least he knows now there's a dude out there who believes in Jesus' name, Ananias, if he gets angry, oh, I showed him your face. Like, I showed him your Instagram. He knows what you look like. He's coming for you. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. He's coming. Right? Like, like this is, thanks, God. Like, you literally just outed me. You showed him my face. If this doesn't go well, he's like, hey, Ananias, here's a picture of him. Kind of looks like that Mexican guy up there. Third one, little bit of gap, kind of scraggly beard. Like, here's the dude you're looking for. Like, this doesn't look good for Ananias at all. My question for you is, what would it be like? If God had such faith in your obedience that he can make a promise to someone and sign it with your name. He literally says, listen, Saul, I'm going to do this. And I have a person named Ananias, and I trust him enough that he's going to come and do it. Ananias was part of the promise. And I can't help but wonder if there's friends of ours, classmates, sports teammates that are sitting in a place of darkness. And they're just wondering, maybe that Christian kid, man, he seems to have something else. And God start doing promises on their life and speaking things towards them. But they've written it with your name. And you're the only Christian they know. What, what's on the other side of you going all in? You see, because it's interesting, in the Bible in Ananias, he's mentioned in five places. And one place when they're talking about him, his name's not actually even mentioned. But he's responsible for all of the writings of Paul. All the books of the New Testament. The fact that you and I today, as people who weren't born Jewish, can gather and celebrate Jesus is driven all the way back to this one act of obedience from Ananias. Who's on the other side of your obedience? Who's that person? You, see, you say, Daniel, that's great. That's Ananias. What I love about the Bible, and I think it's very important to read, and, and when we read our Bible and we look at these stories to realize that this is, wasn't some superstar. This is a guy like you, and this is a guy like me. You see, this wasn't some walk in the park for Ananias. The flop wasn't in his favor. But what was it? about Ananias, that in the midst of things that would have stopped me and would have stopped you, what caused Ananias to push through? What was that about Ananias? You see, what caused him to go all in before the flop? Turn to your neighbor and say, all in before the flop. So maybe enough about Ananias. I want to ask some questions now about you. We're going to get a little bit personal tonight, and I, and I know this is, I would have loved to come and be like, hey, you're awesome, God loves you, you can do it. That's why you had the two Asians before me, they did a great job of that. Uh, Peter and Jeremiah, they're fantastic, good friends. I, but, but as I was preparing, I just couldn't get away from this. Because I can't just, I, I just can't allow the thought of 
the 32,000 students that you go to school with every single day that are living in Saturdays. I can't, I can't get away from the thought of there's some disconnect because we get so jazzed up on a Tuesday, on a Sunday, but there's a disconnect to the Wednesday morning. And so I want to maybe allow yourself the time and the space not to focus on, oh, I just, I got to try harder. No, no, no. The gospel is not try harder. The gospel is receive Jesus more. See Jesus more clearly and allow that to change your life. And so for a moment of reflection, I want to ask us, what stops us? So often we can get jazzed at a service, camp, conference, Easter service. You have two Asian dudes back to back in a week pumping you up, just making you feel awesome. You're ready to go all out. I'm going to save my entire school. I'm going to do it. We get so excited. But what happens on a Wednesday? What happens on a Monday when you want to go ask that friend, hey, do you want to come to church anymore? Tuesday afternoon, hey, you got youth there. But what happens, what stops you and I from going all in before the flop? Fear is one thing that will always stop you. See, I, I've noticed this. Fear basically means that you trust something. And I know this can kind of see, oh, you're scared. No, no, I have more faith in the power of something I'm afraid of. I'm, I'm a guy that loves to hunt uh, outdoors. Doing that. I love to hunt with a bow. And, and when hunting bears with a bow, you have to fear this bear because if you miss, you're dead. Um, and, and so this idea, but because I'm afraid of this bear, I, I put trust in its power. And so I'm afraid of this. The idea that you go all out for what you've gone all in to. You know, some of you, it's hard to go all in for Jesus, but it's easy to go all in for your reputation. Go all out for it. You'll do whatever it takes to protect what people think about you because that's what you've gone all into. Your Instagram account, whatever, and, and, and more than ever before, it's kind of crazy that people are actually considering to taking their own lives and cutting and, and self-harming because of their online reputation, not even their in-person reputation. When I was in school, I just had to worry what people thought about this goofy, chubby white kid with a gap in his teeth, like in person, right? But now I got this Instagram, so not only can see this chubby white gap kid in person, they see the chubby white gap pictures on Instagram, and so they got two places to judge me. That's why people, they have a spam account on Instagram because they want to be able to post things they like, but they're not sure if people will judge them. So we've kind of created this subculture of even Instagram to have this place that's safe to post whatever I want. Like it's clear that we're afraid of things. It's, it's clear that we're terrified that our reputation might get diminished. See, you'll go all in for that shorty or that guy that you're into. You're like, hey, girl, hey. Like, you're like, all of a sudden, you're like a hunter. You figure out, like, what coffee shop she likes. And, oh, she likes skateboarders. Well, check it out. Got a skateboard. Oh, she's basketball. Oh, I can ball. 2K27. Right. Like, guys will do whatever it takes. They will go all in. Like, they'll go to the photos that she liked on Instagram to figure out what clothes she liked on that guy and go buy them. Don't look at me. You've done it. It's this idea of like just, they're like, dude, you're nuts. No one's done that. Maybe just me. But see, girls, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll find out what he thinks funny. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, he likes hockey. And you'll be like, ha, ha, talking to your friends. Like, come talk to me. Like, and I shot the hockey game. And your friend's like, what are you doing? Just go with it. Go with it. Hockey. Hockey. Sydney McDavid. Ha. Yeah, you should probably study a little bit more because that's actually not a hockey player. But see, we'll go all in. We'll go all out for the things we've gone all in for. When you set your sights on something, you'll do it. See, when you go all in for Jesus, you'll do whatever he asks because you're all in before the flop. You see, but when you don't go all in, the temptation comes when something turns out that says, hey, I want you to go to the street called straight. Awkward, I'm not going to do that. And, and because if you still have something to lose and it doesn't look like it's going to be pleasant, 
will fold. Can we invite the worship team back up? Because we do this all the time. We say, I'm going to invite that person to church. And we go there, and, and, and all of a sudden, they're, they're around certain people, and the flop comes up. We're like, and we, we, we fold. Maybe next time. Next week. I'll wait for my next hand. Right? And, and maybe we'll invest a little, invite to church, this and that, and they come, and, and, they, you know, and then maybe they start asking questions. We're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And so, so, so we fold. So I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm not, it's just probably stupid anyway. It's probably stupid anyways. And fear leads to insecurities, like, like Peter talked about last week, that can stop us because we're afraid of what people will think. And then we get insecure because if they think something about us, that must be true for who we are, Right? We get so focused on being like that we forget we're supposed to, what we're actually supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus. See, cause I, I can get this because sometimes I think we do a disservice as pastors. We sit up here, we're like, go do it, invite your friends, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome, it's so good, just invite them. And we tell like the couple stories that someone invited a friend and they got saved and it's great. The stories we don't tell is this person that invited a friend and they laughed in their face. I understand that as a grade 9 student, you got the next three years on the line. You're with those students five days a week for the next three years, and it can be incredibly nerve-wracking. What, what if they, and we get so insecure, and we think, God, no, they got it all together. Not, not Judas's house. Those people got it all together. Not Saul, are you kidding me? He's already talked about how he thinks God's a joke and he's an atheist. There's no way do that and even if we got past the fear and the insecurities what do we actually do you say hey go just go preach the gospel to your friends what does that even look like because we'll go to your friends and say hey tony what's up you're like ah, what's up uh, like we don't we're uncertain what do we say what if they have questions that we can't answer what if they ask about homosexuality and I'm just not equipped to answer that question? What if they ask, hey, my mom died and she didn't believe in Jesus. Do you believe she's in hell? And we get so scared. And we don't know what to do because there's uncertainties. And so we fold. See, I, I don't know. I, Daniel, I, I, I get what you're saying and it's been good for me, but I don't know if I'm willing to do that. And at the end of the line, going all in before the flop is a little bit crazy. I get that. All of us, no matter who it is, between us and going all out are a bunch of uncertain obstacles. We've got the flop, the turn, and the river. We're not sure. But if we're ever going to be able to live the life that Jesus has called us to and go all in and, and live the life of blessing, of influence, of, of, uh, of doing what he's put in your heart and created you to do, he says, listen, this is going to mess you up. So I'm looking for someone who's going to go all in before they see this. Because when you have nothing to lose, you can't fold. No one says, I'm all in. And then they see it like, oh, I'm going to fold. No, because I've just lost everything. And we don't like this idea. We actually think that we can follow Jesus and still hold on to our old selves. But unfortunately, this is not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is not God came to take away all your dirty sin so that you can just be good again. No, the gospel is a life for a life. Jesus gave his life on the cross and he expects nothing less of you. And I get, yes, we're on a journey. No one's perfect. But who would do this? What caused Ananias to go on? I love it. 
says this right away. He says, hey, Ananias. And his response was, here I am, Lord. And this is, this is almost echoing the prophets in the Old Testament of Isaiah saying, who shall I go? Who will send me? Here I am, Lord. I love this. That God had Ananias' yes long before God, Ananias had God's what? Ananias didn't have a clue. He's not just saying, what's up? He's saying, whatever you need, God, I'm all in. And that's why God could sign his promise with Ananias' name. But I think it's one little word that ties it in for you, and it ties it in for me. Daniel, why would I do this? Why would I risk everything? I don't understand. And in verse 11, it says this, And the Lord said to him, Rise and go. Turn to your neighbor and say, Go. To the street called Straight. I love it because this word is the exact same word in Matthew 29, 28, 19, where Jesus says to the boys right before he's about to leave them, the last commandment he gives you and he gives me as followers of Jesus is to go into all the world, make disciples, preaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That we're called to go. But in this Greek word, I love it because in the Bible, if you didn't know, it was actually written in a different language. So sometimes when we study it out, there's some rich meaning that we can come. And I begin to ask, God, what is it in this go? And you need to start reading your Bible, by the way, and ask questions. Say, God, what does this mean for me? And this word go has this understanding. Go and follow the footsteps of someone who went first. Right? Go and where someone else has gone before you. Who would go all in before they had any understanding of certainty of it's going to turn out well for them? Who would go? Who are we following? I can tell you who we're following in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Jesus says that even while you were still sinners, Christ died for you before the flop. He died knowing that some would turn to him and accept him and some wouldn't. And even in the midst of uncertainties, he died for you because he loved you. Who are we following? We're following Jesus. Why was Ananias able to go all in? Because Jesus first went all in for Ananias. Daniel, it's a little bit much for you to expect me to go all in. I don't think it is. If I was asking you to go all in before the flop, it would be. But the person who is asking you is not some white chubby boy yelling at you. It's the King of Kings. His name is Jesus. And we just celebrated on Easter and how he went all in for you before he knew what it was going to look like. Before he knew if you would choose him. He said, I'm all in. I'm not holding back. She's worth it. He's worth it. I'm all in. So we go all in for God because he first went all in for you and he went all in for me. Can you just bow your eyes? I can't help but think in this place there might be someone who's living in a perpetual Monday, or sorry, Saturday, where there is some hopelessness. Maybe you've been on a journey trying to figure out what this Jesus thing, this person, what it means to you, can I tell you this, that God loved you enough to give everything for you, that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible actually says that his goodness and mercies are chasing you down, even when you can't see it, even when you don't know it, even if you think this is all a hoax and it's just some thing and you come because some hot girl or some hot guy invited you and you were hoping for a date, something like that, you found yourself in the midst of a room where God is tugging at your heart and in the midst of worship today you felt something and as I've been preaching there's been something tugging at your heart and it may not make sense but can I tell you that's the spirit of the living God who is not just a person who lived and died but he's alive today and the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is tugging at your heart tonight 
Can I tell you that Jesus loved you enough to go all in for you? And I'd like to stand here and say, hey, following Jesus is a super awesome life. It's going to be great. Yes, it's the best life you could ever live, but it's going to cost you absolutely everything. But the promise is if you go all in for Jesus, he's already gone all in for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So I just want to ask in this moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, in a moment I'm going to ask if you've never received Jesus and you'd like to start that relationship just to pop your hand up. What's not going to happen is no one's going to call you out. We're not going to make you come up to the front. Uh, no one's going to be looking around. I just want to let you know that we're not going to try and embarrass you. But, but maybe just for one person in this room, God's been doing something in your life. And you're coming to the understanding that, man, this God went all in for me. He did everything. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. The Bible says that those who believe in Jesus, that ask him to come and wipe away their sins, that you no longer have to be a slave to sin, but you can be a son and a daughter of the king, that you can have a relationship with this living God. And if you're in here tonight, just really briefly, say, Daniel, I wanna, I've never prayed this before, but I want to start a relationship with Jesus. If you can just pop your hand up real quick and then pop it back down. No one's looking around. Yeah, thank you. You can put it down. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Put it down. Just give a moment. And I love that God doesn't just say go once. In verse 15, he says it again. He says, but the Lord said to him, after Ananias gave him his reason why he couldn't go, he says, but the Lord said to him, go. And maybe you're in this place and God's told you to do something, to take a step, but you got scared and you backed up. I love that it says go twice because it means there's grace for me and there's grace for you. And maybe you're in this place tonight and you haven't been following Jesus and you say, you know what, I need to get my life back right with God. I've been living in a way, I've been looking at things, I've been in relationships I shouldn't, I've been living a way as if there was no God and I can't get away from this fact that God's been tugging on my heart and I didn't listen to the first go, but I'm ready to respond to the second one and go and live the life. I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm not going by myself, but I'm going where he's gone before me. He's prepared a way for me. He's got a plan, a hope, and a future for your life. If that's you in this place, say, Daniel, I need to get my life right with God. I know who Jesus is, but I haven't been living that way for you. Just put your hand up really quick and then back down. Yeah, come on. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. You can put your hand down. We're going to pray in a moment. Hands all over the place. Can we stand? Because what we're going to do, we're actually going to sing a song. And then we're going to come back up and finish this. So you can actually just stay in your seats. But we're going to pray all together. There was uh, two hands that went up say, hey, I, I'm going to start a relationship with Jesus for the first time. And dozens of hands went up say, I need to respond to that second go. So can, I, can we just close our eyes? I'm going to pray and then you just repeat. And then we're going to sing this song. Say, Jesus. Come on, everyone. Jesus, I thank you that you went all in for me. That you loved me. That you died for me. God, would you take my sin? I'm ready to let you be the Lord of my life. I'm ready to go all in, God, before the flop, before I know what it looks like. You have my yes. Come on, the words are going to be on the screen. Let's just maybe respond and sing this song, and then we're going to come up and finish together.